will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, the only podcast that, when processed into its raw data, is mathematically identical to eight herons fucking. The beauty of graph isomorphism. Now, if you would like to contribute to our squawky digital deluge, you can write to us here at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. This evening, to not fuck heavens, you will find Miss Lucy Boys, the Pretzel Commissioner. More of the chewy ones. Mm. Mr. Dave Connery, recipient of the Greenaway Medal for being a big brave boy at the doctor's. I ate it. He did. And I am Roger Hart, voted finest bipedal arboretum in Cheshire two years running, and then another two after a frankly dispiriting break. Our question. Right. I'm going to get straight to the point as I've only got five minutes until I need to wash the veto off. I'm blissfully happy having moved in with my boyfriend. We're still in the honeymoon stage and I love everything about him, but there's one thing that's starting to concern me. How do I keep the mystique alive when real life starts to kick in? I can't keep pretending that I'm cleaning the bathroom when I need to, you know, spend some time in there. He's going to catch on to me sending him to the supermarket so that I can depilate, wax, and pluck. And only eating brassicas on the days that I know he's out with his mates for the evening, in case of accidental bottom burps, isn't going to cut the mustard come Christmas. How do I keep the magic alive? Ms. Boys. I'm going to start off by saying this is a nice question. I like this question. This is a better problem than a lot of the ones we get faced with. So thank you for writing in. I mean, my big concern is the kind of the premise of the magic that you talk about. And I think it might be fundamentally flawed. For me, a great relationship has essentially nothing to do with how hairy your body is or how much talking your butt does. And fixating on perfection in these areas in a long-term domestic relationship, I think is probably going to make things weird and fake in ways that are unhelpful. So to give a personal example, I have, you know, fairly terrible IBS and I need a liberal farting at home policy in order to survive and not explode, which has made kind of early stage or less committed relationships a painful and bad time. You're going to have your own comfort level with this stuff. You might not be up for outright free gassing, but ideally you're going to end up somewhere near being able to eat what you like and use the bathroom in your own house freely. I think, you know, relationships in which you can't be fully human on any one of the axes of being human, whether that's physical, personal or emotional, are fundamentally kind of bullshit. I'm also wondering where we got the idea that every dude wants a hairless woman who never poops. I've not actually found it to be true at the real dude level. Have you talked to your dude about his expectations for you in these regions? And how do those fit with your own expectations? That's conversations worth having. I think I'm probably most troubled by the fact that you feel the need to become hairless in secret, not just the fact that you feel compelled to do it at all. For me, I mean, a man who needs me hairless is not the man for me, that's just not going to work out. And you're, again, going to have different comfort levels with this stuff. But if you're both on the same page about your level of body hair maintenance, I don't think it's unreasonable for the actual process to happen while he's in the house. You don't owe him a beautifully wrapped gift self every time you interact with him, and that's going to be impossible to keep up the longer you live together anyway. So do the contracting now, rather than having the whole thing fall apart later. But also, I want to move away from your hang-ups and spend some time on actually answering the question of how to keep the magic alive in a long-term domestic relationship, which turns out nothing to do with epilation schedules or eating sprouts on Tuesday. My top tips are, 
continue to schedule time to interact with each other. Don't assume that it's just happening because you live together and you see each other more. You could consider a regular date night. Um, I think it's very good every day to spend time talking to each other without either of you looking at a screen about things that are not to do with the specifics of your domestic setup. Um, build in physical affection and snuggling time, if that's a thing that you both like, separate to sleeping, sex, or watching TV. Kind of make that an activity in and of itself. Something I find really useful is to think warm and fuzzy thoughts about your partner as often as you can. You know, kind of resist the trap of getting frustrated about how they do or don't do this or that at home. Remember the qualities that make you love them. Look forward to seeing them when you get back at the end of the day. You know, just think about how lovely they are even when you're annoyed with them about something. Contempt is the love killer and you want to fight that at all costs. And finally, I'd say don't neglect your non-partner social life. One of my big regrets about the first year after I moved in with my partner is that I kind of felt like I had to be home all the time. And I wanted to do that because it was really nice, but also it meant that later I had to kind of renegotiate sometimes going out. I'm, I'm healthier if I have a blend of home and relationship time and other social time with other humans. So make sure you don't neglect that. That's, that's how I do it. I like that. That's all really good advice. Nice. It's just pleasant. The contempt thing is really interesting. I've read, I've read that a couple of places that mm. you, know, you, can, you can bounce back from all sorts of things, but contempt is really hard to bounce back from. Yes. In that sort of relationship sense. Also, I think in a career sense. Yes. If you kind of fundamentally lose respect for the organisation you're embedded in, it's really hard to ever get that back. Company, boss, parent or partner, I think. Mm. The contempt will just kill all of those relationships. Not pets. Oh. You little fuck, why do you shit on the floor again? Mr. Convery. I largely uh, agree with all of that. If you're trying to hide being an actual person and all that accompanies it, you are not going to have a nice time long term. Um, at the very least anxiety, at the worst genuine misery. So, while I'm not suggesting that you take a dump in the living room, you could just not worry about it. Mammals, they have hair and guts and so on. And people who can't accept that are terrifying, really, and probably serial killers or postmodernists. So you can, you can just ignore it. That's one good, strong, safe path to take. Or you can go fully the other way. Uh, if you ever fart in front of your partner, you're going to have to gaslight them. First of all, start off slow. That's not setting your farts on fire. It's I not. No, it's not, like a, it's not like a, a euphemism. It's not a Dutch oven situation mm. or anything like that. But no, you're going to have to, first of all, just say it's the house creaking and settling. Works best if you live in an old house, of course. From there, start to insinuate that there is a dark spirit in the house with you that farts a lot. And just really, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do it slowly. You're gonna have to build up to it, and you're gonna have to really make them doubt themselves and undermine them. But fundamentally, it's either that or, or living with an adult that accepts that humans fart. And quite frankly, I'm not sure those exist. So, really, get with the gaslighting. Get with the dark spectre of, of death that happens to smell a bit strange. Ghost or bust. Yeah. Make make that dark spectre, the third person in your relationship, they can underpin everything else. It's healthy. Mm. I mean, you could just get a dog, I think that's pretty well. Like you could just get a dog, this, yeah, I think that. will that. up the net farting. Yes, but if you just want to get lost in the signal to noise ratio, as it were, it will help out a lot. Mm. Spaniels. 
very farty. But adorable. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, I <sighs> agree with all of that, really. I think it took me about five or six months um, after I moved in with my partner for the farting to start. And honestly, I've, I've never been more, more relieved. Although my partner did want to wake me up with something especially orchestral. I, I went through a little bit of a phase of, of nervousness about some of the bodily stuff, because I'd lived on my own for three years before I moved in my, with my current over half. And, you know, if, you, if you live on your own for about three years, frankly, it's, it's a... It's an effort not to just let them rip out when you've got dinner guests. You know, there's, there's a there's a thing there. You kind of you kind of don't need to give a shit about this, but clearly you do. So, me telling you that you don't need to is only going to get you so far. I worry particularly with the kind of waxing and plucking and and what have you that there's there's maybe a an element of I don't want to say internalized sexism, but there's a lot of societal gubbins there about policing the way women look or telling people that certain things are gross. And humans are smelly and hairy and weird and I don't know if you're struggling to make peace with that if you kind of if this is something you feel quite strongly about but that you'd like to not feel strongly about you could potentially try getting really fucking angry at the structural sexism of it that, that might help because um, it's pretty messed up but on the other side is the possibility that there's something here that is of psychological use to you you talk about this idea of mystique and it, that there's something a little bit powerful about imposture, there's something a little bit powerful about controlling your self-presentation. And presenting a flawless exterior in some way, you know, dressing up is fun, presenting a flawless exterior in some way, so long as it's not exhausting, is interesting. And I can see why it would build an element of fear to lift the bonnet and kind of see the workings, because that would explode the illusion. You don't want to don't meet your heroes, don't see how the trick is done, all of that jazz. But if you want something a bit less stressful and a bit more healthy, but that might still give you that hit, that kind of imposter self-presentation thing, basically you're going to need to start telling some different lies. Now I've got a few things you could you could pick from. Baking, hugely popular at the moment. Just you know, bake off and all that jazz. So just reasonably often go and buy some cakes and absolutely insistently, completely flawlessly pass them off as your own. Costume, just. Just fucking deadpan it. Every Tuesday or Thursday or something, come home dressed as an astronaut. Refuse to mention it. Get dressed in secret. Just make sure that the costumes appear from nowhere. This is just. This is the key. It's got to come from nowhere. And if it's daft, it, it, you know, you'll have a lot more fun. Um, other things you could lie about: speaking another language, being able to communicate with fish. Um, that sounds really useful. Yeah, yeah. You could. You could just completely deadpan being able to talk to fish. Don't be coy. <sighs> Talking to fish, imposture, baking, costume. I really like the costume one because it could be a lot of fun as a craft project. Pick a different flawless exterior and present that. And that way, if, if someone does kind of lift the covers, at least it's something that won't necessarily go to the core of identity or it won't be quite as, quite as sort of brittle or personally intrusive. And you can, you know, you can slide that support structure in to kind of help you slide out giving a shit about the farting, like, jeez. Just let go, just just let rip, it's liberating. Trump him out there. You'll feel better. Also, it's very difficult to hide. I mean, I spent an early part of my current relationship, every time we were in bed, just sort of manually parting my cheeks to reduce the noise. Yeah. He knew anyway. Yeah. He told me he'd known all along. They know. Yeah. They always know. You can't, you can't get around this one. <laughs> And with that, 
we squeak out into the night. That was episode 50. It was just fart jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it took us 50 episodes. Fine. <laughs>